All right, what's up to all the cinephiles out there? Welcome to another episode of the Marquee Spotlight, coming to you from the always sunny Portland, Oregon. I am your host, Spencer Bailey, and I'm doing another solo pod. My host, co-host, Chelsea Burnett, is still taking the one ring to Mordor, uh, so she's going to be out for a little bit longer, but I have a hunch she's going to be back for the next episode, which I'm super excited about because it's been too long that I've done an episode with Chelsea, and I just miss the conversation. But I've been to going to theaters a lot lately, and there's been some really great movies and theaters right now. Folks, movies are back. Let me tell you, I've been having a great time at the theater, so I wanted to come do an episode for you uh, to talk about three movies I saw in theaters that really stood out um, and try to get everyone excited about going to the theaters again. I thought 2021 was was a pretty good year for movies. I was pretty happy with the slate of movies we got last year, but Thus far, 2022 is shaping up nicely. So excited for the rest of the year, but really excited to talk about these these movies that I saw recently. Uh, but before that, I do want to do one new story. So as I'm sure many of you have probably seen this week, uh, Netflix market share really took a dip and they lost about $50 billion in, in value, somewhere around there. And, you know, I... They don't really have anyone to blame but themselves, I think, for the business model they've been running. They have too much competition right now. And look, what I'm about to say, anywhere you go on the internet, everybody's saying the same thing, right? Like Netflix has really been digging their own grave. They still think they're the big dog on the block. Uh, They still think they're the, you know, the king of streaming, but they've got way too many competitors now. Uh, They've got other streaming services, winning Oscars, which is something they've been really trying to do. And, you know, they won a few here and there, but they're not winning the coveted best picture. And Apple Plus just won, um, you know, which is a much younger streaming service than Netflix. But they keep raising the prices, right? Uh, They don't just give you 4K uh, high-def resolution automatically. You have to pay for the premium package, which gives you four screens, they cancel content. Uh, you know, I'm still upset about Glow. I, I really enjoyed Glow, and r- they were going to film one more season, and COVID put a stop to that, and then they just canceled the show. It also didn't help. I mean, they pulled out of Russia because of the Ukraine invasion, which was probably, you know, the right thing to do. Um, but that did take a lot more uh, subscribers away from them. But they've lost about a million subscribers since the beginning of the year. But you know, o- over a quarter of a million people left just voluntarily um, from from big markets like North America and Europe. Now, because of this, they're already canceling projects that were in the works, mostly from their animation studio. Uh, they've got some, some movies and shows that are no longer going to be coming out. Um, but they are canceling some upcoming movie projects as well. They've been spending a lot of money on on their shows and movies though, they do pump a lot of money in and you do hear from, you know, producers and directors and creative minds that they like working with Netflix because they're mostly hands off. Um, Netflix is going to be releasing the Marilyn Monroe movie blonde, which is, sounds like it got an NC 17 rating and they're not going to change it. I mean, I, I kind of applaud Netflix for that. I think the thing that really, 
they don't seem to be getting is they started as a movie company. I think they did the right thing by starting to create their own shows. And I also understand why they made, they went for quantity over quality because they're trying to appeal to everyone. I think it was the right way to go that everything was going to be getting pulled off to go to their respective homes, original homes, like the office and like friends and things like that. But they had to do some reality TV. They had to do some some teenager sh shows. They're trying to make everybody come to Netflix for a little bit of something. Is that really working out? Well, it doesn't seem like it. And maybe that it was okay to focus on qu quantity, but, uh, you know, maybe not so much quantity. Because let's face it, their quality shows are actually quite good. I mean, Ozarks, I really enjoyed Ozark, and that's finishing up. House of Cards was was really good. Man or Mindhunter was really good, and I think that that's been paused less so because of Netflix and more because of Fincher. Um, but I gotta say about Netflix, if you're a movie lover, so like I mean, I say it all the time in the show. I watch way more movies than I watch shows. If you're a movie person, like Netflix is actually still pretty good. <laughs> I think you know they do have some duds uh, original movies, but. You know, we've already, Chelsea and I've already talked about, we've got Knives Out 2 coming out this year. Uh, we've got Extraction 2, which it's just a mindless action movie, but I really enjoyed Extraction if, when you're in the mood for a movie like that. Um, this, uh, this spy movie with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are coming out. Uh, Escape from the Spiderhead with Chris Hemsworth is coming out. Uh, not to mention what they had two movies up for Best Picture at the most recent Oscars, and I thought they would have three with The Lost Daughter. So... All of their movies aren't good, but what production studio, all their movies are good? None of them. But even just their rotating selection for movie people is, is really, really good. And just even today, I just, I just went to the app and I just wanted to see what are some of the current movies that are on Netflix right now. And, and this, is, this is just a list I pulled and I, I, just, I could have kept going, but I stopped. Gattaca, The Guns of the Navarone, Michael Clayton, Blade Runner 2049, Shawshank Redemption, Nightcrawler, Looper, Midnight in Paris, uh, Coppola's Dracula, Moneyball, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Town, Dunkirk, Batman Begins, and The Dark Knight, Taxi Driver, Casino Royale, Leon the Professional, Apocalypse Now, Inception, Phantom Thread, Saving Private Ryan, Django Unchained, Life of Brian, and Holy Grail, Monty Python, Top Gun, Bonnie and Clyde, The Social Network, My Fair Lady, The Exorcist. I could have kept going. There's tons of good movies on Netflix. Movies that, if you haven't seen them, you need to see them for the first time. And if you haven't watched them in a while, go rewatch them. So I hear a lot of complaint about Netflix, and it's because these days people want shows. That doesn't really matter to me. And this is a movie podcast. So if you're listening to it, you probably like movies. That being said, Netflix needs to get their heads out of their asses and listen to the client base. I, I just don't know what, what they're thinking. And they did announce today that they're going to be adding, it sounds like a lower tier package that is not going to cost as much money, but will have advertisements. Is that the right way to go? My gut tells me probably, but I don't know. But they definitely need to realize that they are not the big dog on the block with three dogs. They're a dog on the block with like 10 dogs now, and there's a lot of competition. 
I don't think all of them are competitive. I I feel like Peacock's not going to last. Um, they seem to be hemorrhaging money and bringing the office, which everybody's already seen a million times over. Um, didn't seem to to pull in a bunch of subscribers. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, Netflix definitely needs to change its model. Uh, they do not need to punish people for sharing their password because it's not going to bring in new subscribers. Um, but if you are a movie lover, I, I if, you, if you're sleeping on Netflix and you're a movie lover, go check out their selection regularly because even when movies leave, new good ones come in all the time. All right, I'm going to take a little break and then I'm going to get to these three movies that I want to review. And welcome back. All right, so the first movie I want to touch on, uh, I saw it last night in theaters, had a really great time. Uh, it is... The Northman. Now, behold. He's here. He's here. Mother! Father is here! The king, my lady. The king. So I definitely appreciate Robert Eggers. Uh, what a really talented guy. And I've just listened to an interview with him on Mark Marin and on The Big Picture. Um, he's just very thoughtful, which I really appreciate. And grew up in a house that appreciated uh, the arts and acting. His father um, was a Shakespeare professor, like a, like a historian. So that was very prevalent in his life growing up. You could certainly see that kind of bleed into his movies a bit. Um, I thought The Witch was okay. I know it's a really beloved movie. There were things about it I liked. Um, I, it felt like the movie was building up to something the whole time. And then when you get to the end, it feels like it was just starting and then uh, just kind of ends. Um I didn't realize that was how I felt until Chelsea's husband said that to me recently. And I was like, that's exactly how I felt when the movie happened or when I watched the movie. But again, definitely stuff I appreciated. He's got an aesthetic about his movies and very distinct camera work. Seems to get uh, the exact vibe out of every actor that he wants. But, you know, I, I was listening to him today interviewing the big picture and <laughs> the host said, are you ever going to make a movie in present day? And he said, absolutely not. He really likes these period pieces because he likes to do the research. And oh man, does that come out in the Northman? They use old runes to give the title of each section because the movie's broken up in sections and each section has a title. And they have the runes and then it has the translation under the runes. But a lot of, um, uh, you know, references to Nordic gods, Nordic culture. I mean, it's it, it, the way every people dressed and the way. The landscape and the houses in the in the in the how all the housing, the castles, whatever, looked. It was all very very um, accurate, historically accurate, from from what I understand. 
Uh, one thing I thought was interesting as this movie was coming out, the trailers came out and it just looked fascinating. Like, it looked like, I remember thinking this when I saw the trailers and now that I've seen the movie, I can definitely say it. It's, it has a very, the Northman is very different from his first two movies and still feels like he made it though. Uh, and maybe that sounds a little too like, well, duh, of course. No, but, you know, so right off the bat, his first two movies are notorious for being slow burns, right? The Lighthouse and The Witch are both very slow burns. And I didn't really touch on The Lighthouse yet, but really appreciate what that movie was. What an interesting movie. What a creative movie. Uh, it was just a little too fucking weird for me. Uh, <laughs> that didn't mean I didn't like it. I had a good time watching it. It's just a really strange movie. But both of those movies are slow burns. Uh, the Northman is not a slow burn. Um, it 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 comes at you immediately and lets you catch your breath a few times, but then it just keeps going. Very intense, much more intense than his first two movies. But I remember hearing that this is the first time Robert Eggers had test audiences. And a lot of the feedback he was getting was, I feel like I need a degree in ancient Viking history to understand this movie. So he did not have say in the edits. And that's the first time he's ever dealt with that. And it didn't sound like he had a big problem with it, but it made me a little nervous for what the final product was going to be. And all of that nervousness dissipated as I was watching the movie. This movie is dope. I had a, such a great time. Um, it is brutal. It is very brutal. I mean, the trailers make it look brutal, but once you're watching the movie, it's intense, man. Uh, Lacey, my girlfriend, is a huge Robert Eggers fan. I'd say he's probably one of her favorite directors. She loves The Witch. She loves The Lighthouse. And we walked out of the theater. I said, well, what'd you think? And she said, shook her head and said, nah, this is a dude movie. And it is. It's a dude movie. I have four words for you out there. Naked, lava, sword fighting. This is a dude movie. But that being said, um, really incredible film. It's short on the dialogue. Uh, his first two films are very dialogue heavy. They're very dependent on the dialogue and not just dependent on it, but The Witch having Old English, right? And then The Lighthouse having kind of this uh, nautical speak and you know early 20th century vocabulary, things like that. Um, it's, it's very much the same in The Northmen. They're speaking like uh, the... Nordic and Slavic people would of that time using that kind of verbiage, using those kinds of terms. It's actually kind of hard to understand people at times, especially because the music, which is amazing, by the way, but is very intense and thumping. Uh, and with their accents and the words you're not familiar with already being said, it is a little hard to make out what they're saying sometimes. But there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. This movie kind of just happens to you. It's not like sitting with people and, and, and taking in the, the conversation you're just, you have, it feels like you have no control over what is washing over you as you're watching this movie. It is stunning. It is a beautiful, beautiful film. And if you want to see it, don't wait till it comes to streaming and go see it in theaters. The wide shots of Nordic countries and Iceland, most of the movie is, takes place in Iceland. It's just breathtaking. On top of Edgar's traditional well, I say traditional, traditional for him, cinematography, the color schemes, um, the, the shadows, the lighting, the way he 
just gets his camera angles just right. He has such a distinct camera style. I love the way he centers things. It's very reminiscent of Kubrick, but it's very much his own thing. You can tell he was kind of influenced by it, but he makes it his own. And it just it just really sucks you in. It feels like it's a void and you're being sucked right down the center. And I, I think there's other people that do that, that center their shots and keep it still, but it, it doesn't suck you in like him. And then he'll slowly bring the camera in, like it's pulling you in. But in, he, I mean, you could tell when he really puts a lot of thought in. There was one shot in particular I remember. Nicole Kidman's in the forefront working on a, a weaving something. Ethan Hawke, who plays the king, is one step back, and then behind them is two servants. And you can tell, you can just tell with the shot that Eggers meticulously placed everybody just where he wanted them. And it's a short shot. It's not a long scene. Um, but he, while we're on the subject of the camera work, so the scene from the trailer we all know where the main character, played by Alexander Skarsgård, catches a spear that's thrown through, thrown at him and then throws it back and then they invade a, like a little, little village inside of a fort and he throws his wolfskin cloak off and is just, just shredded and, you know, intensely starts attacking people. You've all seen that scene in the trailer. Well, in the movie, it is... One of the coolest movie scenes I've seen in a long time because Eggers tracks the shot. It, you never leave where Alexander Skarsgård is. And sometimes he goes behind a building and the camera keeps moving until he comes from the other side. And the way it just travels through as they're attacking this village. And it's, it's really intense and it's really violent and it's really bloody, but it's just a really masterclass in um, filming a scene like that. The story itself... I mean, it's a story we've seen a million times, right? A revenge story. I love a good revenge movie. Truly, I do. Um, this one is, I mean, we've heard this a million times. I mean, you could probably tell from the trailer, this one very reminiscent of Hamlet. I, I knew that going in based on what the, the content of the trailer. As I said, Robert Edgar's father taught Shakespeare. The story is uh, the king, played by Ethan Hawke, has this young son. Uh, his wife, Nicole Kidman, is the queen. And he has a, a an uncle. And of course, in the trailer, you see the son whose name, <laughs> I said this is this is Hamlet. His name is Amleth. Yeah, a little, little on the nose there. Sees his father killed by his uncle, runs away, gets adopted. I mean, it jumps ahead in years, but you find out he's basically adopted by this clan led by this witch doctor type person that turned him into this killing machine. And then a witch played by Bjork, uh, the singer Bjork, reminds him of his promise to avenge his father, save his mother, kill his uncle. So he finds a way back to where his uncle is, um, finds that his uncle is now in Iceland. So most of the movie takes place in Iceland. Along the way, meets Anya Taylor-Joy, who's a young Slavic woman who's taken as a slave and they fall in love. And that's a big part of the story as well. So certainly a story you've heard a million times, Hamlet, Lion King, even uh, there were a couple of scenes. I leaned over to Lacey. And I was like, ah, Lion King. A lot of the acting is, is really, really good. Um, in addition to the people I've already named, Willem Dafoe uh, makes a, an appearance. He's barely in the movie, but he is there. He of course has a relationship with Robert Eggers after the lighthouse 
And uh, um, a Danish actor named Klaus Bang, who I think he was played Dracula in the Netflix show, plays plays Amelis' uncle. Um, all the acting's really good. The battle scenes are really good. But I gotta say, Nicole Kidman, this is this is her at a ten. She is she's unbelievable. She's so subtle for most of the movie, and then she has a scene that she just turns it on, and she just reminds you how good she is. I mean, she's one of the best actresses we've had, you know, since the early 90s. I don't need to tell you how good Nicole Kidman is, but this is um, this is one of the best best acting performances she's had in a while, and that is saying something. Um, there's also an appearance by The Mountain from Game of Thrones. It's brief, but he fits right in with this uh, brutal culture. Um, he's in a scene where they're playing some kind of some kind of outdoor game, and he gets a little too rough, and Alexander Skarsgård's got a got a handle up on him. This movie was was a blast. Um, if you liked Robert Eggers' other movies, I definitely recommend it. If you like epic revenge tales, I definitely recommend it. Um, if you just want to see a, a beautiful, brutally beautiful movie, I recommend it as well. But Northman came out last night. If you get a chance to see it in theaters, I definitely recommend that you see it in theaters. Okay, the next movie on my list here, I saw last week in theaters. It is Michael Bay's Ambulance. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry that I brought you into this. I just wanted things to be the way they used to be. That's my brother, Will. I could use some help. My wife needs this surgery. This is real life. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family, your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? It's time for you to do something for your family. Folks, let me tell you something. This was the funnest movie theater experience I've had in years. I saw Ambulance by myself in an empty theater. I was the only person in there, which was kind of cool. I got to prop my feet up, check my phone when I wanted. I felt like I was in a, a private viewing just for me. But let me tell you, I said at the beginning of this episode, movies are back. Michael Bay is back. I don't pretend to think Michael Bay is something more than he is, right? We all know what Michael Bay is. He makes popcorn movies that you want to just go have a good time at. He's really like... I think he's let us down <laughs> in the last like 15 years or so. He got on the Transformers Ninja Turtle kick and just started cashing checks. Well, Ambulance, this is like classic Michael Bay. This is the rock bad boys Armageddon Michael Bay. Is it a quote unquote good movie? Absolutely not. I don't, if you expected it to be there, you've never seen a Michael Bay movie. But is it just crazy, crazy fun? Uh, in, intensely. I what a what a great time I had. Um the first third of this movie is a bank heist. I love heist movies. The second two thirds of this movie is a chase. So you've seen the trailer, you know they rob a bank, they commandeer an ambulance that has an EMT in it with an injured police officer they're trying to save so they don't become a police killers because it was kind of an um difficult circumstances why they the cop was shot. Um, but two last two thirds of the movie, they're in the ambulance being chased by police and federal agents and it, they never stop. They never stop. It's reminiscent of 
Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road, of course, not nearly as good. Um, but there was a lot of like fine details that Bay did a really great job. He had a lot of the same Bay camera shots, looking up at people's faces, moving around them while they're talking. He got really into drone shots, I guess, because there's a ton of drone shots in this movie. But the sound is great. All the shootouts, all the automatic gunfire, um, not as good as Heat, but close. Um, it just felt very real. Being in the theater, it was just very, just gripping my seat. Um, between the shootouts and the chase, I remember saying to myself, I am like satisfyingly exhausted. It, it was such a good, exhausted feeling between gripping my seat and just wide-eyed amazement and also laughing because whether there were times where the movie meant it to be or didn't mean it to be, it was hilarious on top of just being exciting. Um, the main character played by Jake Gyllenhaal is, he is, Jake is acting out of his mind in this movie. He, he just, he, he's, he is, I don't know what he was going for, but he's really going for whatever it is. He's going for it. There, one of my favorite scenes was, uh, so let me back up. So, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who, you know, from the new Matrix movie, and he, he was in the Candyman remake last year as well, um, plays Jake Gyllenhaal's adopted brother. Apparently the story is Jake Gyllenhaal's family, when they were children, adopted Will, who is, who is played by Abdul-Mateen, and they grew up calling each other brothers. Now, apparently, they keep talking about this father who was an infamous bank robber, a merciless bank robber. And so th growing up, they got involved in that stuff. Will was trying to get out. He joined. He served his country in the military. A lot of that Michael Bay traditional, um, like, um, homages to the military in this movie. And he gets suckered in right at the beginning of this movie into this bank heist. So they get in this big shootout with the cops because just by chance, two police officers happen to be there. And Jake Joe Hill's like, well, I guess we got to shoot our way out of here. And Will doesn't want to do that. And as he's saying this, Jake Joe Hall's putting on a, a mask. You see maybe in a, in a video game or something like some kind of mask with, with bulletproof glass in the eyes, but the glass is magnifying Jake Joe Hall's already big eyes. And he's just like, well, you think I'm having a good time either. And I mean, it's just stuff like that. It's just, ridiculous things, ridiculous lines that Jake Gyllenhaal says. Um, at one point, they're doing surgery on the cop in the ambulance, and he starts to wake up. They don't have any anesthesia, so Will punches him and goes, well, I guess that worked. Guys, this sounds ridiculous, but I'm just laughing. You want him to get away? I'm, I'm like, you want Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Abdul Mateen to get away, and you're, you're laughing on top of it. The EMT is played by uh, Isa uh, Gonzalez, who you know from Baby Driver, she played John Hamm's girlfriend. Um, kind of starts the movie off like super serious about her EMT job, but doesn't get emotionally involved with anyone. She saves this little girl and then goes, all right, let's go get some lunch. And her new partner thinks that's really weird. But now she's trapped on the ambulance with these two bank robbers who are trying to scare her and also go, but we're not bad guys because... They're really not bad guys in terms of wanting to hurt people. They don't want to hurt anybody, and they do want her to save the police officer. Um, something else I thought was interesting was apparently Michael Bay is making his meta universe because the two police officers reference the movie The Rock and Bad Boys in this movie, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and they also reference The Rock, the actor, who has been in a Michael Bay movie. So 
a lot of meta stuff going on there. Uh, in typical, I, I already told you who the actors are. So in typical Michael Bay fashion, everybody's just beautiful. Every single person in the movie is just a model, uh, which is a little distracting. But I, what, what else do you expect from Michael Bay? But this is the kind of movie where one minute the brothers are punching each other in the ambulance while they're driving it because they're getting into an argument. And then they go, all right, now we got to calm down. They each pop in uh, an AirPod and listen to Sailing by Christopher Cross, which the police and the feds can pick up and it really confuses them. I mean, this movie was just out of control in the best possible way. There's a, a woman who's got like a command center in an SUV. She pulls up to help the cops and is like in a motorized chair with all kinds of screens all over the ceiling and everywhere in the back of this SUV so she can track everything. I don't even know where they come up with this stuff, man. Uh, it's a little long, and which is frustrating because like I wanted more of the backstory. You don't really find out anything about them growing up as kids. And they keep talking about this infamous dad and you never see anything you barely hear about him and i wanted more of that instead of maybe some of the scenes we got uh so it is a little too long but it just it's out of control um they get some help from like a uh, mexican drug cartel and the the cartel gangsters come to help head off the police and get a remote control lowrider complete with a mannequin in the driver's seat and a minigun on a hydraulic in the passenger seat to shoot at the cops. This movie was a blast. I, I, I don't even want to tell you guys anymore because I want you to see it. Uh, if you can see it in theaters, it's still in some cities, go. I promise you a good time. Chelsea's not here. She and her husband did go see it on a whim the same day I did. And they said this, everything I'm saying. They had a, an absolute blast. And uh, we both... Chelsea's not here. I'll tell you for We both recommend this movie in theaters. You will have fun, I promise. And with that, I'm going to take one more quick break and be back to review the last movie. And welcome back. So the last movie I want to talk to you guys about on this episode, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you... Be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Guys, I loved this movie so much. Lacey and I saw it a couple weeks ago and we walked out just absolutely gobsmacked. Um, 
I was so happy about that too. Because oftentimes you will hear a lot of hype around a movie. And boy, was this movie been hyped up ever since it came out. Uh, I was on, I'm on Twitter regularly. I'm on Reddit. And people were just going crazy about this movie and making it sound like one of the best movies that's come out in a long time. And normally when you get hyped up like that, you might go into the movie liking it, but it didn't hit you the way it hit everyone else. That didn't happen here. I This movie hit me the same exact way. I What an incredible film. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like this film. I, I can't I can't compare it to anything. The Daniels, the two directors um, that made this movie, I think the only other movie they're really known for is Swiss Army Man, which I'm sorry, I have not seen, but I heard it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm eager to watch it now, though, because I was so impressed with this with this movie, which what an incredibly refreshing idea this was. Um, if you don't know what the movie's about, I'm sure you've seen the trailers. Um, Michelle Yu... Uh, who she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, James Bond movie, Tomorrow Never Dies, Crazy Rich Asians, uh, is playing a middle-aged mom with her family. They own a laundromat. And she seems a little um, discontent with the state of her life. She doesn't come out and say that, but it's very apparent on her. Her father, played by uh, James Hong, who has been in just tons of stuff, probably most famously Big Trouble in Little China, but that guy's been around forever. He's a legend. He's coming to live with them. She's a husband and a, an adult daughter who she's struggling with the fact that is, I don't know if she's struggling with the fact that she is gay, but is not, not displaying a loving, caring um, bond with this daughter. They're also dealing with some IRS issues and are getting ready to go to the IRS office to take care of that they are then thrust into a multiverse, a la of a comic book universe of some kind, but it's done so to... I don't even want to specifically say what this movie is about because I don't know, and I think that this is going to be a movie that there's a lot of discussion about. And when I say I don't know, I mean, I definitely get the general gist, right? Like, I took away from the movie the same thing when I started listening. I saw the movie, started listening to reviewers, and I took the same thing away that they took it away. But I think this is a movie that's going to be argued about for, for a long time. But it seemed to me that the movie was about, you know, nihilism and the, you know, finding, finding happiness in the face of nihilism and, and, and things like that. When you know everything, when you see everything, how can you feel like you're taking in everything? How can you truly appreciate anything or be happy? That's kind of happening to us in this day and age with the internet and media just hitting us all the time and washing over us like an endless stream of waves from the ocean. We're just constantly bombarded with information all the time. And most of it's negative. It's really hard to be on the internet these days. Everybody's just miserable. Um, it's just being... It, it, it's very subtly like describing being sucked into the void. There's a... Uh, the imagery is a, a black bagel with everything on it, uh, which might sound weird. It makes a little more sense when you see the movie, but the bagel is just a void sucking people in. The movie's really about, well, again, I don't want to deliberately say it, but I took away from being thankful for what you have and not worrying about what could have been. And perhaps you were in the right place and in the right situation where you need to be. 
And I really took that in because that's something that I really struggle with, especially these days. I often wonder, and I, I lament this to Lacey, and she has to kind of, you know, talk me down, but I've got a pretty good life, and I often feel like, am I doing enough? Am I achieving enough? Is there greater goals I could be going after? And that is a problem because when is that enough? What if I achieve, achieve my highest dreams? Well, then what? You know? And it's not that I don't appreciate the things that I have, but this is something I've been struggling with a lot right now. And uh, it's like this movie came into my life at the perfect time because that is, that is kind of the point of the movie is that Michelle Yu's character gets pulled into this multiverse and there's this uh, evil figure that takes the shape of someone familiar in her life um, that says, I'm going to show you what I know, which is everything. And once you see that, nothing matters, which is, you know, the, the, the foundation for nihilism, right? And it's easy to get sucked into that because that's also something I struggle with. We just got out of a pandemic. You know, we're always reading, we never read anything good about our government <laughs> or how the country's being handled in socioeconomic ways. And we don't need to get into all that, but that's something I'm always struggling with. But throughout the film and through the most, some of the most unique humor that I can think I've ever seen, the movie shows you that things could be worse or even if things seem better that maybe, maybe you were missing out on something from the way that you, from the, the way things ended up in, in your universe, just because things seem better in a different universe, maybe you missed out on something more important to you deep down. Um, there's a lot of, I, I talked about the Michael Bay meta universe with Ambulance. There was a lot of meta happening in everything, everywhere at once, where in one of your universe, Michelle, you is, is herself. And she's going to, you know, it shows clips of the actual actress going to the red carpet events and seeing herself in a movie and runs into her husband who is also much more successful when they didn't make a life together. But then they're kind of questioning, is this even better? Should we have ended up together? I don't know. Um, but some of the universes are just absurd. I got a phrase for everyone, hot dog fingers. Now that's something from the first season of The Office, but it is very literally displayed in this film. And I'm not going to tell you anymore, but all the different universes are often quite, quite hilarious. And then there's one that really makes you stop and pay attention where Michelle, you and someone else are rocks. They're, they're just rocks that are somehow communicating with each other through text on the screen. And all you hear is the wind. They're kind of overlooking something like the Grand Canyon. Um, and it was amusing, but it also made you really take in what they were saying. It was a poignant moment. Um, the choreo So by the way, I got to say, there's a lot of fight scenes in this, like Kung Fu style fight scenes. And the choreography is, is fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it's just marvelous. It's just like anything you would see in a high-budget high, high budget action film, um, although some really ridiculous things are happening in the middle of all these, these fight scenes. I do want to see her husband is played by uh, Kehu Kwan, who I couldn't believe I recognized him as an adult. It was purely based off the sound of his voice. He was Data in The Goonies in Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And after the 90s, he didn't, he didn't act for a while and finally came back. Uh, came, he was in a movie last year and now he was in this. 
And he's excellent. And he's basically playing three different people in this movie because he's playing different versions of her husband. He does a great job. Um, and then her daughter is played by Stephanie Sue, who I was unfamiliar with before this movie, but she did this really outstanding job. She's also playing different versions of herself, and I'm, I'm excited to see her in, in more things. Um, and I got to say, you've seen the trailer, you know Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie. And she's still got it, got everyone. Like, she's playing the IRS um, employee who is helping them with their taxes, but she is heavily involved in the craziest ways to these different universes, almost becoming terrifying <laughs> in some of them. And Jamie Lee Curtis, just a national treasure, still, still killing it. Um, I don't know what else to say about this movie. You really just have to see it. And if you haven't seen it yet, like, what are you doing? Go see everything everywhere all at once immediately. Uh, it's just truly one of the best movies I've seen in recent years. It's It came out late March, hit everywhere in April. We're still early in 2022, and I'm expecting it to be at least nominated for Best Picture. Um, we've got a long way to go this year, but I can't imagine too many other movies being as impactful as everything everywhere all at once. If it's still playing in theaters where you live, go see it immediately. So those are the three movies I wanted to talk about. Guys, I'm telling you, like, I, I don't, wherever you live, go to the theater based on your comfort level. If you're still, you know, nervous about COVID, that's fine. If you need to wear a mask, if you need to go to one at night where there's not going to be a lot of people, that's fine. But I encourage you, go to the theater. People are still making movies that are meant to be seen in theaters. And I've got a pretty good home theater set up, and there's still nothing quite like seeing movies in theaters sometimes. And if we go see these movies in theaters, They'll keep making them. You know, I know everybody likes the Marvel movies, and, and even though I'm a little burnt out, I've enjoyed them as well. I know everybody likes Star Wars. I know everybody likes this stuff. But do we really want those to be the only movies that get made? Like, it's so great to see a movie like everywhere, everything everywhere all at once, an art house movie making money, like making, like, like impressively making money. Let's, let's continue this. Go support the theaters. Go support the movies. So as we do with any review episode, and I'd reviewed three movies this time, we're going to do our patented one, two, three reviewing system. Three being you need to go see this movie immediately. Two, get around to it when you can. And one, uh, watch at your own risk. So starting with The Northman, I'm going to bend our rules here. I'm going to say two and a half. I was really tempted to say three, but this is a brutal movie. I mean, it's, it is... I don't... Violent doesn't do this movie justice. It's intensely violent. Um, it's not all the way through, but, but enough of it that it's not going to be for everyone, but it's an incredibly well-made movie. It's beautiful to look at. I'm going to say two and a half for the Northman. Ambulance, I'm going to give a two in theaters. If you get a chance to see Ambulance in theaters, I mean, I'd say get around to it. You're kind of running out of time. You don't have to see it. It's not, it's not, you know, a masterclass in filmmaking. It's not Coppola, but Go go see Ambulance in theaters if you just got a free night and you want to have a good time. I promise you, you will walk out saying that was a lot of fun. And everything, everywhere, all at once, I'm giving it a four out of three. Like, go see this movie as soon as you can. I promise you it'll leave an impression on you. I promise you you'll enjoy it 
And I promise you it'll be one of the best movies you've seen in a long time. So thank you so much for listening. We just appreciate anyone that takes the time to listen to us drone on about film. Um, God, I just love movies so much. Uh, I've, I've got some mail to the house this weekend and I can't wait to watch. I think I'm driving Lacey crazy because all I ever want to do is watch movies. Um, so if you're listening to us talk about them, great, because I'm going to do this either way. <laughs> um, so uh, we are on Twitter at the Marquee, or Marquee Spot LT. We are on Instagram at the Marquee Spotlight. You can contact us by emailing the Marquee Spotlight at gmail.com. And I finally did it. I have a letterboxed account. It's just Spence, S-P-E-N-C-E, 84. That's me. I'm reviewing movies. I'm rating movies. I might make some lists. We'll see. If I get some followers, I'll make some lists. But uh, come check us out. I've already made some connections on Twitter, and you guys listen, and you know who you are, and I just enjoy. I've never met you in person, but it's fun interacting with you and talking about movies. So whoever you are out there, uh, bless you. I hope you have a really great week. Chelsea will be back soon. We are excited to keep doing episodes in 2022. So for the Marquee Spotlight, I am Spencer Bailey for Chelsea Burnett saying we'll see you. Thanks for listening. The Marquee Spotlight is recorded in Portland with music composed and produced by Josh Colopy and cover art created by Taylor Ingle. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on new episodes. And if you like the show, please write a review and share with others. 